Today's Dav is Dav Kuf Beis. We're holding at the top of Kuf Beis Amir Aleph, Amar Av Kahana. So we left off yesterday <coughs> with the, uh, we're going to see it's the opinion of the Chachamim that hold that there's two halachas. This is the way the Pnei Yeshua explains Rashi, but there are two halachas that are interdependent when it comes to Perish Vias. We know generally the laws of Shemitah are that the produce of Shemitah are imbued with the Kedusha of Shemitah, which means that you can only consume them up to a certain amount of time when they're still available on the field to the animals and you're still allowed to have them in the house. But at that point, when they're, when they're past that point, it's called the Zman Abiyur, you have to get rid of them. Zman is showing them exactly how you get rid of them, but ever, you're not allowed to use it past that point. However, you're also limited in how you use them. And the Chachamim Shita is, is that the Torah says, L'ochla, is that's the key point here, is you can use them for consumption. Now we're going to see consumption doesn't necessarily mean you have to actually eat them. But what is unique about consumption is the deterioration of the item comes simultaneously with the benefit that the person receives. Means as you bite into the apple, you get the pleasure, the apple deteriorates, right? However, concerning other things, for example, fuel. The way you, when you, when you cook with, 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 a, with, a, with an item for fuel, it first has to like, almost like become like a coal to get the heat that's required, and then you can bake with it, then you cook with it, meaning there's a delay that the, the deterioration of the item comes before the benefit that the person is going to receive. So therefore, and therefore, and that therefore does not fall under the category of la'ochla, the consumption, which is considered like achila. Now this has a dual impact. Number one, the chachamim shita is that the items that will be imbued with kedusha shemitah are only those items specifically where you have that the primary consumption of it is like an achila, right? Simultaneous. Simultaneous. But for example, wood, which primarily is used for firewood, that will not be imbued with the Kedushas Shemitah. Why want to be imbued with Kedushas Shemitah? Because since its primary usage is is a fuel. As a fuel, it's not direct, the deterioration of the item is not simultaneous with the benefit that you receive. So it's not subject to the laws of Shemitah, mm-hmm. right? Which is a huge leniency. And on the back end also comes out that even those things that are imbued with Shemitah are only allowed to be used <clears throat> in a manner where the, where the benefit is simultaneous with the usage. That also dictates how you're allowed to use it. So for example, if you now want to take all your produce and you want to say, I'm going to use it as a fuel, you would not be allowed to use it. Because if it's before this manna beer and you're allowed to use it, you're only allowed to use it in the manner that's called the akhla, where the consumption is simultaneous, where the deterioration of the item equals the benefit that's received. So number one, it categorizes what is imbued with the perish meter. And number two, it also, categorizes how, once it is imbued, is it allowed to be used, all right? Now, 
We left off yesterday with a, 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 this way that we formulated his opinion. The more I asked the question that there are certain types of wood that in addition to being used as fuel, but they could also be used, it's an oily wood, so you can use it as a torch. Now, the more I asked the question, when you use it as a torch, then immediately, immediately you're getting the benefit as, at the same time. So therefore, it should come out that yeah, therefore that kind of wood should be imbued with, uh, with, a, with a Kedusha of Shemitah. On that, going with the sheet of Rashi, is that no, because still, primarily, a wood is viewed as fuel, and it's not viewed as a torch, and therefore you're, deter- you're, you're, you're defining it that you want to use it as a torch, doesn't take away from its primary usage, which is a fuel, and therefore it's not subject to the laws of Shemitah. Okay. Now, what the one is going to say, Amar of Kahana, let's see it inside, the Eitzim La Tanohi. This actually, this question about the, uh, this type of wood, which is a, a, a wood that is, is, is in, infused with oil, a certain type of way it grows, that if you're intending to use it, uh, for 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 uh, for a fuel, right? That uh, it's actually a machlokas tanoim. Now, what 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 uh, the way Rashi explains is as follows: is that we're going to see the shita here of Rabbi Rabiosi disagrees with the Chachamim. He holds that the purpose by which the person has when he harvests it can define whether or not it's going to be imbued with perishmita, which means, it, according to Rachamim, there's an objective reality. Most fuels are, most woods are used for fuel. Therefore, even those woods that could be multi-purpose, could be used, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they're not going to be imbued with, with, with perishmita. With 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 kedusha shmita, whereas according to Rabbi Yossi, he says no. He says that if I if I, I can subjectively determine what my intent is to use it, and based on that, it will imbue this item with kedusha shmita. All right, that's going to be what the the takeaway is. So let's see it inside. So Moses is like this. So this idea that we just said that, well, all, all, all eights him, even ones that have, have multi-purpose, is considered to be why it's primarily defined whether it's going to be like, it's considered for, for fuel purposes, and that de- defines, says that that's actually a machlokas tanoyim, the sign you learned in a brisa. Ein mosrin peyreshvias. One is not allowed to transfer peyreshvias, any produce of Shemitah, lola mishra, you're not allowed to use it for soaking flax. Mishra, they soaked flax, called, I think, redding, to remove the seeds from the, uh, the branches that they're attached to, whatever it is, it's right. And you're not allowed to use it for, for perishvias, and you're, not, uh, and, and you're not allowed to use it lola mishra, but lola kvusa. Lola kvusa is to, make, to use it as a detergent for laundry. Now, let's understand this for a moment. Meaning what? Meaning something that, uh, <coughs> we're go- this is the way the Pnei Shu explains Rashi here. Meaning like this. Obviously, if it was 
like wine or, or, or grapes or something that clearly when it was harvested was for purposes of, of consumption, for sure. then for sure it's perishmites. So you wouldn't be allowed to use it because these items deteriorate the way you're using it. It becomes ruined as soon as you put it into this pond and the benefit you receive, the clean laundry or the seeds becoming detached in the case of the flax is a benefit that only occurs... You know, it's, it's deferred. It doesn't happen right away. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not a simultaneous consumption. And therefore, it shouldn't be. Therefore, for sure, in such a case, you would not be allowed to use it. But the other that they're talking about over here, that these are items that the person at the time that he harvested it, I don't know about the planting it, but at least when he harvested it, he had in mind the reason I want to use these things is specifically as a detergent, is specifically as a, uh, for, for, the, for the flax, for the redding of the flax. Say the chacham, it doesn't matter, because since these items primarily are not for that usage, since they're primarily for that not usage, you don't have a right to redefine how you want it to be used, and therefore the Kedusha Shemitah will be on these things, and therefore you cannot use it. For one so of these two things. If happens in the secondary stage, it's not subject to Shemitah, correct? If that's the, the primary thing, that you're right, right, right. Now, comes along Rabbi Yossi Omer, he says, no. No, again, with this understanding, meaning if when you harvested it, you had in mind that this was the purpose that you wanted to use it, then you can go ahead and use it on Shemitah for the soaking of the flax or for the laundering of the clothing. Why? Because since by the time you harvested, you wanted to use it in that way, it was not imbued with the Kedusha of Shemitah. Because so, you were going to use it for washing. You, you were going to use it for, the, for, for laundering and for Which soaking. And, and therefore it was not subject to becoming imbued. So you see over here, it comes out, this would be a huge machlokas. According to Chachamim, it's, it's an objective reality. You don't subjectively get the time to say how you want to use it if it is something that primarily is used in that particular way. But according to Yossi, even if it's primarily used for something else, your thought, your intent at the time of the harvest determines whether it will be a, la- a subject to the parish meter, which therefore will determine how you can use it. See, those things go, they're, 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 they tie together, right? Yeah. Now, it is possible, by the way, that Chachamim would agree that if something, an item, generally, generally is used for other items, for other usages, so then your intent might make a difference. But not when it's primarily not that way. Right. Now, so my time at the Rabbonin, so let's understand the machlokas over here according to the Rabbonin. It says, Amar Kro. So Pazuk says like this, L'achlo. L'achlo is very specific, that you're allowed to use Perushmita specifically, L'achlo, for consumption, for eating purposes, for Lola Mishra, and you cannot use it for soaking purposes, right? Le'achla tells me again, for eating purposes and not for uh, laundry purposes, right? Now, what does Rabbi Yossi hold? Amr Kra, the Pazuk says, Lachem, 
It says, Lachem la'ochlo. Lachem implies much broader that there are times that l'kol zarechem for other usages where you can include that I'm allowed to use it for soaking and I'm allowed to use it for laundering. Now, according to Rabbi Yossi, when will that be? When will it be something that generally might have been perishmita, but I'm allowed to use it in other circumstances? Is if at the time when I harvested it, I had in mind, my intent was to use it in that way. Chachamim disagree. It doesn't help you. Plant it? No, no, I, I think it means when you, when you actually, when you cut it. I think when you okay. cut it. I think that's the, no, it, right, it right. Yeah, so, right? I, I understand. I understand. Now, says the more like this. Now that rachem, which opens things up. So according to Rachamim, what do they do with lachem? So when it says lachem is only opening up that it doesn't have to actually be eating. It has to be things that are similar to you eating. You're allowed to use it in a way when it's similar to things that have been imbued with Kedusha Shemitah that you can use it like eating. What's unique about eating, the characteristic of eating, consumption of eating? Both happen at the same time. So therefore, you're allowed to use an item that's imbued with Peter Shemitah specifically if at the time of the benefit there will be deterioration, there will be the deterioration, deterioration of the item. also be something that the, uh, the, the, the benefit uh, is is coincides uh, coincides, uh, coincides exactly together the, with with the deterioration of the consumption of the item, which is yotsu mishra kavusa, which therefore that excludes using it for uh, soaking or or using it for laundry. Shanos and because there the benefit to man only occurs delayed after the item is already deteriorated. You can't use it once it's stuck into the water, but your benefit from it comes in like the chemical impact or whatever it has is later, and therefore that would be excluded from using something that has been imbued with Kedusha Shemitah. Whereas Yossi disagrees with that because he holds that if your intent at the time when you harvested was for that purpose, it was not imbued, and therefore you're allowed to go ahead and use something which otherwise might have become Peter Shemitah. In this case, you're allowed to go ahead and do it. Now, Rabbi Yossi, Haksiv L'Ochla, what does Rabbi Yossi do with the fact that it says L'Ochla, which implies that Perush can only be utilized specifically for eating purposes, right? So, Amar Loch, Ha'hu Mi Boilei He has that L'Ochla, uh, he uses it for, to limit that which we learned in Abraisa. L'Ochla V'lo Melugma. He says that L'Achla teaches me that Perushmito, you cannot use it for Melugma. Melugma is like a bandage. Like they used to use it like a plaster or something they used to put on a wound. All right? That you cannot use. And it implies, by the way, and you cannot intent, your intent will not make a difference either. All right? So one says, how does Rabbi Yossi know to use the word Rabbi Ochla to tell me I cannot use it as a bandage or as a, as, as a plaster? Maybe it's coming to exclude even cases of laundry. I mean, he's saying laundry is okay. If you intend it when you harvest for laundry, you can go ahead and use it. But Ochla teaches me, but you can't have that intent to use it as a bandage or plaster. What's the difference? Why is there a difference? I'll tell you like this. Because when it says the word lachem, we said that the word lachem implies that you could use it for laundering, you could use it for flax. 
So Hamani Mekayim Lo'ochla. So therefore, what am I excluding with the word Lo'ochla? That's Lo'ochla Lo'ochla coming to exclude a plaster bandaging. Moses says again, that seems to be very arbitrary. I understand I have one concept, Lachemi seems to be inclusive. I got Lo'ochla, which seems to be exclusive. Why are you telling me that you can uh, for, you can avoid the problems of Shemitah for, uh, with, with intent for, 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 for laundry or for, uh, for, for redding the flax, but you can't do that for the case of, of plaster. How, well, it's still, because one, one is inclusive, one is excluded. How do you know which one to include, which one to exclude? My ra is, where do you see Lerabo Sakvusa to include laundering? The, 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 your, your clothing, but Lahotis, I'm a Lugma to exclude the, 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 um, the, the, the bandages, the, the plaster. So Moses says, I'll tell you why. And Moses says as follows, it's really dependent on how much of a need the item that you're dealing with means. Does it speak to the entire nation or is it to an exclusive group? Bandaging really is only a segment of the Jewish people. Why? Those Who needs it? Those are sick or injured need it, right? Laundry, everybody needs laundry, all right? Flax, I guess, back in the day, that's something that was a benefit for everybody. So therefore, if I'm going to exclude something, I'm going to include something, means basically the way we're learning, if my intent is able to circumvent the Shemitah law, it has to be for a benefit that the majority of people are able to get benefit from. It cannot be something that only speaks to a subset of people. So that's why there is this distinction. So therefore, because it's common, it's equal to all people. But I'll take out the melugma, right, the plaster, because that's not applicable to all people. It's only to the injured people, the people that are sick. It doesn't apply to everybody. Now, the Gemara says like this, using this, basically, so we have over here, there's this concept over here. According to the Chachamim, you can't really, unless the item itself, this way there could be an explanation, unless the item itself is primarily not used for eating or for direct consumption, so then, Taka, your intent might make a difference. But the bottom line is, if the primary usage of the item is for a consumptive purpose, then you cannot redirect it at the time of harvest to allow you to use it in that manner on Shemitah. Whereas according to Rabbi Yossi, as long as it's a benefit that the majority of the people will get benefit from, it's something that's beneficial to most people, you can redirect it at the time of harvest, even if it's primarily used for something else, I can go ahead and say, I want to use it for my laundry. I want to go ahead and use the, the, the right, you can do that, and again, I'm- Again, because it's a secondary thing, therefore it's not something but, but even though primarily it was not that thing. Wine, wine people drink generally. They don't go ahead and use it for, but if you get the, that's why I think that, I think the harvest is the time of the, the determination. But anyway, someone says, come on, Azla Hadassanya. According to whose opinion is the following Brysa? The Brysa says again, La'achla is that you only allowed to use Shemitah produce for consumptive purpose, La'achla, but you cannot use it La'malugma. Now, malugma is what we just said. You can't use it as a plaster, as a bandage. Laachla also you can eating for lola ziluf ziluf. There are people that were very pampered, so they wanted to aromatize their house. So they would take wine, and they would sprinkle it around the house, and then the wine, the fumes of the wine would would uh, 
would, 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 would fill the house. So you're not allowed to do that with Peiros Shvius. You're not allowed to go ahead and do that with Peiros Shvius, okay? So again, the idea over there also, because I don't think it's direct benefit. The direct benefit means the fumes, whatever, hit you, hit you later, I guess. And you cannot use it as a, a food. It has to be eaten for eating purposes, but not that it's used as an emetic. Do you know what an emetic is? So back in the day, the Romans, what they used to do, they used to stuff themselves, and if they wanted to keep eating, they would take certain foods and it would make them vomit. They would throw up. So now you cleared the deck, so now you can go back and eat again, right? It's, uh, it's like, uh, what do you call that sickness? Uh, bulimia, right? It's bulimic, right? They, 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 they cause themselves to throw up. So anyways, the point is, so you're not allowed to use, if a food has that quality, that some of you, I guess, eaten in a certain way, it helps you throw up, you're not allowed to go ahead and use that. That is considered to be destroying Peyrushmita, and you will not be allowed to go ahead and do this. Now, come on, whose opinion is going like? Someone says, this is going like Rabbi Yossi, because even Rabbi Yossi agrees that even if you harvested with this intent, these items are only a select group of people would benefit from using it in that matter, and that he agrees that la'akhla excludes, that you can only use it for things that, the, that everybody benefits, not from a subgroup. Now this is clearly only going to Rabbi because e because if this bride was going to Rabbonin Shita, so then why didn't it leave, it, it, didn't, it shouldn't be left out, it should include Mishra and Kvusa, soaking and laundering. They also hold you're not allowed to do, but it never mentions soaking and laundering, because Rabbi soaking and laundering actually would be allowed to be using Perush because it's not considered perish meat if you harvested it with that in mind. Okay, let's go weiter. Melugma, melugma, melugma. That's bandaging, yes. All right. Now, we had a machlokus in the Mishnah that, uh, between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, okay? The, uh, the case was that if a person went was instructed to dye something red, and he dyed it black, or black, and he dyed it red. So Rav Meir is pretty straightforward. Rav Meir holds that Kolomishana, that if you deviated from the instruction, you're considered to be a goslin. Now, since you're considered to be a goslin, if it's a significant change in the item, what happens? Then it's acquired by the thief. Therefore, the thief now owns the item, and what the thief needs to pay the owner back is the original wool before the item changed. Right? Now, Rabbi, Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda disagreed with it. We had two different shatim in Rabbi Yehuda, either because he doesn't hold that you're considered to be a thief when you deviate, or in this case, we don't, we don't allow a person to get, it's like a penalty. We don't allow the person to acquire it, because why should we let your... Why should we benefit by being a thief? By, by benefit, we don't allow it. But either way, according to Yehuda, therefore, since we don't, there, there is no acquisition over here, therefore, really, whose does it belong to? Technically, it belongs to the, uh, uh, the, 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 the original owner. But the owner asked for red. He didn't ask for black. Or black doesn't. So therefore, to get it without paying for anything, that would not be appropriate because he is getting some benefit back from it. It's, it's been, there's been an appreciation to the wool. However, to pay the full fee of what they originally worked out, that wouldn't be fair either, why? 
Fee is the laborers? Yeah, no, no, whatever they agreed on, no, no, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks for your work. That wouldn't be appropriate either. Why? Because you didn't get Right. However, so he said, according to Yehuda, you have to take two calculations into account. One is you have to take labor materials, what the real cost of labor material is, value the appreciation. And whichever is the lesser amount, that is what you ended up having to pay. Right? But the key is because Rabbi Kiva doesn't allow the, 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 the worker to acquire it. He doesn't, he doesn't allow, either because he's not a goslin or we don't allow him to acquire it. That was the uh, explanation. So what it says like this, Simen Sabon. Okay, Samach Beis Nun. So what it says, Yosef Rabbi Yosef Achoyre de Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Yosef was sitting behind Rabbi Abba, Kameh de Yehuda, and they were sitting in front of Rabbi Yehuda. So the, the pecking order was, there's Rabbi, Rabbi Huna in the front, behind him was Rabbi Abba, behind him was Rabbi Yosef. The Yosef Ravuna the Ka'amar. Now Ravuna sat up and said the following. In two, two areas he was ruling. In one is the halachas like Yeshuv and Korcha, and one is the halachas like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, now we're going to see what means we'll see what. Rabbi Yehuda is going to be our case. What's the case of Rabbi Yeshuv and Korcha? We'll see in a moment. Right? So, Rabbi Yosef turned his face away. Angrily means he showed Ravuna that he was not happy with the, fa- the statement that he had made. Now, why? So, Amar, so this is basically what, uh, what Rabbi Yosef, it doesn't mean he actually said it, but it means this is what the, the reasoning in his mind as to why he was angry with what Ravuna had said. Okay, with me? Ira, good. Rabbi Shloma, I understand to tell me that Allah is Rabbi Shubin Korcha. That makes sense. Because Rabbi Shubin Korcha is the minority opinion against the Chachamim. So therefore, normally you would say minority against the majority opinion that Allah follows the majority. So Ravuna is telling me that that's not the case here. The case over here we follow Rabbi Shubin Korcha. That's a necessary ruling that needs to be made because it does go somewhat against what the norm would have been. So I, I understand the need for Rav Huna to tell me that. So therefore, it's derich. Because I would have thought to say, that normally when you have minority against the majority, the majority wins. Kamash Malan, over here, the halacha is kiyochid, follows the minority opinion of Yeshua ben Korcha. Now, where is this machlokas? Don't lie, we just we talking about names. But where is this halacha of Yeshua ben Korcha? So the halacha is like this. Let me tell it to you outside, we'll see it inside. The morning of Zorah tells us is that three days within the holiday, a pagan holiday, you're not allowed to do any business with the Ovde Kochavim, right? And you're not even allowed to pay, uh, collect or pay off a debt. Very interesting. Not only pay, uh, collect or pay off. All the reasons are t- based on because you don't want him to be happy around his holiday because he might come to thank his pagan gods for the fact that either he collected the loan or even if he paid. Say paying, paying off a loan makes you feel good too. I'm able to write off a loan. So that would be also, so that, right, that would, so either way, okay? So now, Rabbi Shubin Kargo says it really depends. <coughs> when we're talking about collecting a loan from an Ovetuchovim, right, that it's not allowed, it really depends. Is this a documented loan or is this an undocumented, a verbal loan? 
He says like this, because I understand a documented loan, why do you have to do it three days within the, uh, wait, wait a week, meaning do it far enough away from this pagan holiday that he won't go and thank his uh, pagan deity for the payment that he feels great that he unloaded this payment off. But he says, but if it's a verbal loan, you're gonna be lucky if you can collect that, why? It's verbal. It's verbal, right? right. And therefore, if he's willing to pay you, even within three days, take your money and run. That's the rule of Yishuv Ben Now, Chacham disagree with that, but that's Rabbi Yishuv Ben Karcha's position. So Rabbi Yishuv Ben Karcha, Mahi, the sign we learned in a bracer. Rabbi Yishuv Ben Karcha, Imer, Mal v'Vishtar, Einifroin Mehen. He says, I agree. A documented loan that you're not allowed to collect from the pagan close to his holidays. But Milval Peh. But if it comes to a document, an undocumented loan, right? So in such a case. You go ahead and find man, you collect that money and you run. Because that's considered like saving your money from their hands. Saving your money from their hands, that we do allow even within the three-day time limit. Okay? Comes along Rav Huna and says that this is Machlokas, Chachamim, and Yeshua ben Korcha. Nevertheless, how do we paskin? We don't go with majority rule. We go with the minority opinions. So says Rav Yosef, that I understand why Rav Huna had to do it. But, Ella, Halacha Kerb Yehuda, but Rav Halacha Lak Yehuda in the Machlokas that we just had, right? When a person deviates from the instruction, right? Do we go like Rav Meir that you're a goslin and the Shinu is Kona for the goslin? Or do we go like Rav Yehuda? There, there's no need to say the halacha follows Rav Yehuda. To say that is, uh, he's saying like, that is a, a, a I guess the problem is, it, because you're not, uh, uh, it, it, if it follows the rules that you should be aware of anyway, so then it's like almost like a, a, arrogant. What do you have to say that? You're assuming people don't know what the, the rule is. That's the normal rule. It's no need to go ahead and tell me that Allah follows Rabbi Yehuda. Now, why not? He says, why do you need to say this? Now, normally, we know that the redactor of the Mishnayis was Rabbeinu HaKadosh. By the way, it's Rabbeinu HaKadosh and Rav Nosen. Rav Nosen is the uh, unsung hero. He's never mentioned, but it's Rabbi Yehuda. But anyway, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, so we know that normally if there's a Stam Mishnah, we had this before, it was a Mishnah that is anonymous, that generally is the rule, correct? Right. However, there is an exception to the rule. Let's say that you have in one place, it's left as an, an, a, a unanimous position. Unanimous, right? And in one place, it's brought down as a machlokus. So there, the order is important. If it was first a machlokus, and then one of the positions were brought down as a seeming like a unanimous position, then that tells you that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was telling me that even though previously we had a machlokus, this is the halacha. Whereas... If first it was brought down as an your anonymous opinion, one opinion, and then subsequently oh, it was brought person. down as a machlokus, then Rabbi Yehuda Anasi is telling me that what I'd said before, 
was, seemed to be a unanimous position, uh-uh. There is a machlokas concerning this. Comes along Rabbi Yosef and says that if you look through the Mishnais Bamekama and Mishnais Bamekziah, you will see that the machlokas Rav Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, when a person deviates from the instruction that he is given, is he considered a Gaza and he's Kona, or is he not a Gaza and he's not Kona, is actually a machlokas followed by a stam. And that stam is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, which means no, knowing that principle, then we know the halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda, and there's no need for you, Rav Huna, to, to say what? To say that there is a machloka? No, that's not what he's saying. What did Rav Huna say? What did Rav Huna say? Rav Huna said the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. There's no oh, need that because, because, that, because it's a, a, a stam that comes after a machlokas. All right. So Moses says like this. Why is he saying that? Right, which that's why he was upset. What do you have to say then for? So it's machlokas, it's a dispute that's followed that then is followed by a stam anonymous uh, anonymous uh, opinion, which uh, the uh, right, which is really implies unanimous. Umachlokas, and the rule is when you have a machlokas, the halokha follows the stam mishnah. Where do we see this? The machlokas is in Baba Kama, our machlokas that we just had, all right? That it said, Adam, you gave it to the dyer to, to dye, and the instruction was make it red. But and the dyer went and made it shachar, black. Shachar, you made it black. But Adam, and then you told him to do it red. All right, so then, in such a case, Reb Meir Omer, Samro, you should give him the value of the wool, because that's all you can collect. There's a Goslin, there's a Shinui, the guy owns it. And Reb Yehuda, Omer, depends. If the improvement is, um, uh, is, is, exceeds the, 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 uh, the, the expenses, so then, then you only have to pay the expenses. And if the expenses are more than the improvements, then so that's where the machlokas is brought down. Later on in Bob Metziah, this non, it says over there, okay, there now, it's not, actually the, the sugi in Bob Metziah is not discussing the same idea, but it's talking about over there that if you hire workers and you say, make expenditures and then they're back out on you last minute. That's what it's talking about over there. So it says, it's not, and it, and it throws in over here, that anybody that deviates from the assignment that he was given, right, he has the lower position, which means, lower position means that he's going to collect either the, the benefit, the improvement or the uh, proceeds, whichever is the lower one, which is Rabbi Yehuda Shita that he had in Baba Kama, right? And that's what it's actually the sugi that's in Baba And anyone who reneges from the agreement, with it's agreement to work, whatever the deal was, so therefore, Yadal Taktan also, if there's been expenditures or lost by one of the parties, he also has the lower hand. So therefore, so that's what Rabbi Yosef felt. Rabbi Yosef felt that there was no need, it's redundant for Rabbi Yehuda not to embrace the rule that if it's a machlokas in Babakama and it's a stam in Babamitsia like Rabbi Yehuda, why did he have to tell me in this case that Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda? That's what Rabbi Yosef's opinion. Now, what does Rabbi Huna hold? So Rabbi Huna said, one second, Rabbi Huna said, it's derich. It is necessary to tell me that Allah follows of Yehuda. Sal Gadai Dechamina, ain't Seidel Mishnah. 
You might have thought there's no real order to the Mishnayas, meaning that uh, Tosvas explains this, I, be- I believe, in the beginning of, where was it, the beginning of Babakama, there's a say? He says as follows, uh, Babas, I'm beginning of Babasra, I think he says. He says that Rebbe maybe taught the Mishnayas to the students as based on their interest level. So therefore, you can't bring me a raya from the order. So therefore, that's why I have to tell you the halachas like Rabbi Yehuda, because maybe it's not following the normal sequence as this occurred. It's really following the sequence of how Rebbe taught the students, and then you can't bring me a raya from it. Right? Someone says like this. So therefore, it's the Salgadai to Chamino. Ain't say to the Mishnah. Maybe there's no clear order to the Mishnayas. And therefore, what you think is really a Machlokas followed by a Stam, actually, in terms of timeline, it really was a Stam followed by the Machlokas. And therefore, you don't have a Raya that it's like Rav Yehuda, other than Rav Huna coming along and saying, the Aloha is like Rav Yehuda. Now, what does Rav Yosef say? Rav Yosef says, one second, if you take that position, then you, how do you ever have a principle? When do you ever have the principle that you can say when it's a stam followed by a machlokas or a machlokas by a stam? You never know to follow that principle. Why? Sounds like you've gone either way. Why can you never follow that principle? Because if you're telling me that there's no real order, that Rebbe just taught based on what the interest level is, then how do you know which one comes first, which one comes second? So then how is there such a principle? So that's what Rabbi Yosef says. It says, Anytime you have this principle put on and put in place, we have machlokas followed by stam. How do you know which one came first, which one? And stam machlokas, maybe it's really a stam followed by machlokas, not a machlokas followed by a stam. So what does Rav Huna hold? So Rav Huna says like this, is that there's no order to the Mishnah as we, we say in the order that the Masechtas were taught. Meaning, Rebbe might have taught Baba uh, Metziah before Baba Kama, Baba Kama, Baba Metziah. So therefore, to say Machlokas and Achristam when he's dealing with two different Masechtas, that you cannot bring a proof. But he does, Avuna does agree, if it's in one Masechta, then for sure in one Masechta, Rebbe followed a, a, a sequence and order. So the principle can only be implied within the same Masechta, but not like our case, because in our case, what? Right. So therefore, Avuna says, Kilon, Minan, Ain, Say to the Mishnah. When do we say that there's no order to the Mishnahs? That's been, it's only. When, when don't we say, you can't say that the Mishnahis are out of order, that's in one Masechta. In one Masechta, you have to say that the Mishnahis are in order. But in two Masechta, such as the case we're dealing with, so then you cannot bring me a Raya because one is earlier and one is later because maybe the, the Masechta are out of order. Says the more like, what does Rabbi Yosef hold? We've had this before. Rabbi Yosef is the famous Rabbi Yosef. He says that actually Baba Kamba, Baba and Baba Basra is all one long Masechta. It was actually known as Masechta's Nazikin, right? The Seder Nazikin was Masechta's Nazikin. And because it was 30 chapters, to make it a little bit more uh, bite sized, that you can that you can uh, learn it in one time. So they divide it up into ten, ten, ten. But it's really on one masechta, and therefore you could still bring me a raya that it's uh, the right order. Uh, uh, and therefore you still have a question: Why do you have to tell me that Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda? That's the point. So Moran says like this: For Rabbi Yosef, Kula Nazikin Chada Masechta. He holds that the whole Nazikin, which is Babakam Babmasiyah Babasra, is all one masechta. Okay, and therefore that's why Rabbi Yosef felt that he was correct in telling. Telling Ravuna 
that you should rely on the principle, you don't have to tell me the rule. Ebois Amo, else you have another answer. Meaning, even if you want to tell me that Rabbi Yosef agrees with Ravuno, that actually it's not one long Masechta. Then you're back to the question, it's not one long Masechta. How did you know that Aloha is like Rabbi Yehuda if you cannot rely on Machlokas followed by Islam? He says like this, if you look in Bab Metziah, in Bab Metziah, this Halacha of anybody that deviates from the instruction is brought in from left field. Because we're not discussing that over there. What it's discussing over there is a person that reneges on a commitment. All right? He said he's going to work and doesn't show up. That's what it's talking about. And out of the blue, it lists boom, 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 another few halachas that are not necessarily pertinent to what's being discussed. So that invokes another set of rules. If the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, it, it was felt necessary for the Chachamin to go ahead and put down standard halachas, this is the halacha, this is the halacha, this is the halacha, without even having that in being discussed, that's a sign that what? That that's the halacha. So even if I don't know which came first, the Mishnah, the Machlokas, or the Stam, but the fact that in Bamatsia, where we're not discussing somebody that uh, does not follow instruction, and it decides to give me halacha psukah, some clear-cut straight halachas over there, that by definition shows me that what? That is, everyone agrees. That's the halacha, and therefore the question of Ravuna is... Why did you have to tell me Allah follows me? That's the beginning. The Iba is saying, even if Rav Yosef agrees with Ravuna, it's not all one long Masechta. Since this ruling, the position of Yehuda, was recorded among those clear cut halachas, where this is like a list, this is halacha, this is halacha, this is halacha. So there, then what does it say over there? Kola Mashana, Yadala Taktona. Anybody that deviates from the instruction has the lower hand. And then it says, and anyone who retracts, Yadala Taktona. Why is it throwing? in something from Baba Kama in the Baj, in, in, in Bamatsiya, who cares what the order is? The fact that it links it together, a bunch of halachas that are not being discussed, that by definition is another rule that that is the halacha, and that is why Rabbi Yosef got upset at Rav Huna. Let's go on. Tanu Rabbonon. Rav Huna doesn't really have an answer in a case like that. I don't know what Rav response to that is. I don't know. All right, now. Tanu Rabbonon. So we have over here, a person gave money to his agent. Now, what, what we're really talking about over here is the agent is not functioning as just a, 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 an agent. He also, it's, it's, it's basically like a business, uh, a, a business uh, uh, deal, meaning you can't get to where you need to get to I will be willing to go and help you invest this money as long as, let's go, we go 50-50. 50-50-50 on the benefits or 50 on the losses, right? So that's the deal over here. So we're not just talking about a stand and straight up shlichus, but it's a shlichus that the shliach... Someone's willing to get on the plane and do the work and the other guy's not. But one guy's bankrolling, the other guy's doing the work, right? Now, but the thing is as follows, that he told the agent go and invest in wheat. I think wheat futures are, are going up, so you go and invest in wheat. But what happened was, the agent thought he's a bigger chacham, and he went, and he went and he invested in barley, 
or the other way around. He told him to go invest in Saorin, but Lakav men Chitin, and he went and he invested in the Chitin, in the wheat. So now we have two different prices that seem to be contradictory. Tanya Chado, one prices says, Im Pechasoi Pechasoi. If the deal actually goes south and there's a, the money actually is now depreciated, there's a loss. There ends up being a loss on the, 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 on, on the money. So then he has to bear, the agent has to bear the full, loss. Lo, full value of the loss on the money. All right? The right. The imho siru, but on the other hand, let's say he ended up being right, and actually now there's an appreciation. Instead of jumping up to 20%, now investment brought back 30%. So then, Hosirulo, he also has the right to just give back the original owner the money that was invested originally, and he keeps completely the extra benefits, the benefits, the, the appreciation. No, above the agreed upon fifty percent. The original. Well, no, no, he has to give. He has to give guy the original. Uh, uh, that's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, You're supposed to make $100. Make no, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Because I think the way they're going to explain it, he's considered to be like a goslin, and he needs to give back the original money, and he then keeps everything for himself. But, profit. profit or loss. Profit or loss. Right? It's no different than red, black, black, red. Right? It's no different. Going to, we're going to see it's the sheet of Rav Meir. It's no different, right? If you consider a thief, so that at the time when you deviate it, then it becomes your item. All right. Now, Tani Chado, but one brizer says no. In if it went down, then yes, the full depreciation is on him. But in Siru, but if it went up, then Asiru low. But in such a case, if it went up, then the appreciation is, I'm sorry, Asiru Emsa. Then the deal kicks in. The 50 50 on the appreciation kicks in. All right? So therefore, so, so we have over here two brizers. So we have your according to according to uh, the first brisa is that it doesn't matter profit or loss that's all borne by the agent. It's like he's a thief. Basically. We'll see. And according to the second brisa, loss is borne by him, but profit they split. All right, like like the original deal. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan Lokasha. It's not a contradiction. Harav Meir. Now let's understand how Rabbi Yochanan sees this. Now, Rabbi Meir is the first shot. The first shot is that this person has broken his agency. He's broken the deal. When he deviated, he broke it. And according to Rabbi Meir, when you, if you call him a shana, anyone who breaks from the instruction that he's given is considered like a thief. Well, if he's considered to be like a thief, it's as if he's Conan, the item, and he owes back the original uh, uh, money, but anything that happens with it, profit or loss, now belongs to? Uh, the thief. The, the, the thief. The of mayor. Yes. Yeah. Whereas according to Rabbi Yehuda, we said before, he's the, not willing to give the guy, but we, 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 we call him that, 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 that's where, but Rabbi Yehuda says, we don't, even in the case of red, black, black, he just says, you don't give the guy the status of a thief. Since you don't give him the status of a thief, so then we don't allow it to be viewed as if he is Kona. And since, so therefore, since we don't allow it to be as Kona, so therefore, at least in the case of when it goes up, when it appreciates, then you, then, then you split it. All right? 
Now, what about when it goes down? It says, okay, fine. Over there, it, it could be, the longest that could be in Rabbi Huda, we'll see in a moment, it could be, remember, it was a penalty. Yeah. Because it could he be Rabbi Huda. He had to do, he had to, he, he got the benefit, the lower of that, right? Right, so, so therefore that so could be Rabbi Huda. He took the lower, Right, that could be what Rabbi Huda holds. But the one was going to say that not everyone agreed with it. Now, so it says the more like this. So Rabbi Yehuda says, Lokasha, Ha Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Ha Rav Meir, explaining Rabbi Yochanan. According to Rav Meir, the Amashinu Kona, that is the deviation, then the person acquires it like a Ganev. So therefore, here too, appreciate or deviation, either way. Ha Rabbi Yehuda, the Amashinu Enakona, he's the Shinu he doesn't acquire. And since the Shinu doesn't acquire, so therefore, at least in the case of the appreciation, what? You have to split it. You still have to split it because it's not considered yours to walk away with a full appreciation of it. So Moses says, Maskeler Beloza. Beloza says, I disagree with you. Mimai, who says this has to be a machlokas Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda? All right? Maybe Rab Meir, when did Rab Meir say you're considered to be a thief when you deviate? It's when the person wants specifically the item for his own usage. I want the coats. You made it red, I made it black. I want something that I want to use. But in this case, all right, it's not necessarily the guy is investing in wheat because he wants wheat. In this case, he's just investing in the item because he wants to make money. Right, you understand the difference? Yeah. And therefore it's possible that Rameh would hold that we don't view him as, as a thief having deviated from the instruction because the instruction really means invest it so we can make money. So therefore, even though he didn't listen, it's true he didn't listen, but at the end of the day, but to say that therefore is, it, it's completely against the instruction, it might have the spirit of the instruction, not necessarily the details of the instruction. All right, so now how does that help us? So what it says like this, who says that Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda have to, you have to say this to Machlok Rav Meir It could be, Rav Meir only said his position, it's when the person is instructing something that he himself wants particularly. I want to use a certain item. So then if you deviate from what I wanted to use, then I'm considering you like a thief. But when it's only for uh, investment purposes, it's right. It's, it, and, and they, it was, there was specificity. I told you to invest in wheat, but not, but not in barley. But at the end of the day, it's not because I'm going to go ahead and bake bread. I'm just thinking that that's the best way to make the investment. So it's got a low amar. So therefore, like this. So therefore, El Amar Abeloza, Havaha Rabbi Meir. Both positions could be the position of Rav Meir. Below Kasha. Khan Leschora, one case is dealing where it's for commercial purposes. And, uh, and the other one was talking about we actually wanted the item. So when he wanted the item, there's no yeah, question. You sure deviate from the item. So therefore, it's a thief. Like and therefore, when it goes up and goes down. You, you, you get... You, suffer or actually you get the benefit too right but you, because that's the bottom line now when it wasn't for commercial purpose when it wasn't for the per- personal item but it was for commercial purposes then you can hear already because at the end of the day if you took the gist of what I said and you invested and it actually went up you're gonna have to then you're going to have to split it because but you, but you didn't listen to the product and it comes for loss but no, no, but no, but, but according to Rav Meir, but if you didn't listen and because of that, you, your negligence caused a loss, so then you're not functioning as my agent in that case. So where does it, when it went up, you're functioning as my agent. When it went down, you're not functioning as my agent. So that, and you don't have to bring Rabbi Yehuda into the mix. Okay? So why is it like this? So therefore, 
So when it says, Machku Allah in Eretz Yisrael, when they heard the shot that the Rabbi Yehuda wanted, Rabbi Yochanan wanted to say, that one is going like Rabbi, uh, like Rabbi Meir, and one is going like Rabbi Yehuda, they, they, they mocked Rabbi Yochanan's shot. So I understand it's the God of Adorn in Eretz Yisrael. But anyway, they mocked it. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan, they mocked the position that Rabbi Yochanan took in the position of Yehuda, right? Because we understand what Rabbi Yehuda is saying in Rav Meir, what Rabbi Yochanan is saying in Rav Meir. In Rav Meir, you deviate, you're a thief. You're a thief, makes no difference. Up, down, either way, the thief is the one that gets the benefit or the loss. That makes sense to us. Now, what are you going to tell me? That Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's not considered to be uh, you're not considered to be a thief, that you did not acquire. Well, if you don't acquire the item, then why should there be a difference whether it goes up or down? Either way... Right. You should, it should be a split, 50-50. If, 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 you can't... You can't then it should make a difference. That's, that's the point. So what it says like this. Now, very interesting. The way they, 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 they couched it is as follows. Is, think about this for a moment. You gave, the, you gave the, the agent the money. The agent goes over now to the wholesaler and he buys the wheat or he buys the barley. Who does the wholesaler or the, or, or the or, uh, think he's selling it to? The individual who came to buy it. He's coming to the individual who came to buy it, right? He doesn't, now, he doesn't know that, he doesn't know that, that that's being right, right. Now, the point is like this, therefore, if you're, so, so the bottom line is that what they were saying is as follows, is therefore that, that since uh, th- th- he's not being makna it to the owner of the money, but he's being makna it to the, uh, to the agent, right? So then what? Therefore, like this. Therefore, it should be that who really is the one. Is the owner still then? No, it should all be on the agent. Right. Meaning, if you don't consider the, the agent. doesn't know that there's another guy behind it. Right. Meaning, one thing, if you say the agent's a thief, I understand. But if you tell me the agent's not a thief, the guy who is in Machnet too is the agent. And since he's in Machnet to the agent, then the bottom line is so. It's, it, 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 whatever happens, right? Therefore what? Therefore what are we saying here? The one selling the wheat, all right, he doesn't know that, you, that, 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 that this, is an inv- this is a, somebody's seeding the money, all right? Now, therefore, it, since, since the, uh, therefore what? Since the seller is giving it to the agent, so then why should the investor get anything? Right. How does the investor get anything? Right, meaning that because the the agent is being is is being sold by it's being sold as to as if he's the only one involved. Is it right? And therefore what? Therefore, whether it goes up or down, the agent should get the benefit or the or the right. If you if you consider him a thief, right. I understand, right? But if you don't consider him a thief, so then the chora, whatever happens, up or down. Should be, it should be split. It should, be, it should belong to the guy. Because they belong to which guy? To the agent. It should belong the to the agent. agent. Right? So masculine or small but because, because he's represented or it looks like he's representing just No, because the seller the seller was selling it to him. So masculine of small by society. He says, He says, Your question, then even even if he did get the right item, why don't you ask that question? 
Meaning, if he asked for wheat and he got him uh, wheat, then he should say the same thing. All right, now, if that's, if that's a valid question, why is it not a valid question even if he does the right thing? He says, it's different. If he does the right thing, then he's an agent. So even if the seller thinks he's selling it to the agent, but the agent's acquisition acquires it for the original owner. So when it's the right thing, I understand. But when he's deviating as an agent, when he's deviating as an agent, so he's not functioning as an agent, so therefore you're selling it to the guy. Selling it to the guy, so how does it ever accrue back to the original owner? That's the difference. So he says, There's following the agency. And therefore, the agent is considered as representing the investor. So that's not considered problematic. Right? Taydan, and what is it? I'll bring you a raya. That, uh, that, um, that if the seller intends it to sell it uh, based on what his intent is, that is, uh, that, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, to the agent, then if the agent is doing the agency, it represents the original investor as well. The snan. We have a situation as follows. A person went and said, all of my assets I'm giving over to the base of Mikdash. A guy wakes up one morning, feels that he needs to have a change. Everything I own, I'm being Makdish the base of Mikdash. All right? Or he went and he made a vow saying, everything I own, I have to give the value of that to the base on Mikdash. So now, what about his wife's clothes or his children's shoes, right? So ein ishto bano. It does not include the treasure. Is not allowed to take the clothing from or evaluate in the case of the Arab, the clothing of the wife or the shoes of the children, the clothing or the or the, the children's clothing either. And not only that, that even if they were just dyed, the kids and the wife didn't start wearing it. It was just dyed that you gave it to the material to the dyer to go ahead and dye it on behalf of the, of the wife and children. And even new shoes that were just made, that were just made for the sake of the children or the wife, no, they're not included. Now let's understand, it's one thing to say once they already took it and wore it, they were coded from the husband, right? I understand it's not included. But if all it was done is that it hasn't been worn yet, and, right, so therefore why is it not, why does it not get included in the Hegdash of the Erech? Let's say here too, in the case where it hasn't been worn yet, how does the dyer know when he's doing it that I'm doing it on behalf of the woman? He was just giving it by the husband. And since he doesn't have in mind to do it for the woman, then the husband should have it. And therefore it become consecrated, right? So therefore, you have to say that when the husband is doing it, right? He's doing it as the, on behalf of the wife, on behalf of the children, he's doing it as their agent. So the, the dyer or the, the shoemaker is giving it to him as an agent, so they acquire it even without. The, uh, all right, well, we'll stop over here. We'll continue with this tomorrow.